Hola and welcome to Catholic View on this Wednesday evening. I'm Sheila Pirch. Thank you so much for joining me. Coming up in today's broadcast, we'll be taking a look at the role of the Catholic Church in Kenya with regards to the upcoming elections in that country. But first, as usual, we begin with some of the stories that made headlines in the Catholic Church and in Africa today. This is Archbishop Buti Kakale of the Catholic Diocese of Johannesburg. You are listening to Radio Veritas, the good news for a change. And in your headlines this Wednesday evening, Pope Francis explains the significance of martyrdom in general audience. SADC leaders pay tribute to late Sir Ketumili Masire. And court rules that schools can't promote one religion. Good evening once again, I'm Sheila Pirish. Continuing his catechesis on Christian hope, Pope Francis spoke about hope, strength of the martyrs at his general audience in St. Peter's Square. Pope Francis spoke about how the martyrs of the church are examples of Christ, who also gave his life out of self-sacrifice and love. As such, he said that every Christian is a martyr, a witness to be sure hope that faith inspires. The martyrs who even today lay down their lives for the faith do so out of love. The following is a summary of Pope Francis' homily. In his general audience on Wednesday, Pope Francis reflected on the words of Jesus, Behold, I am sending you like sheep in the midst of wolves. You will be hated by all because of my name, but whoever endures to the end will be saved. When Jesus sent his disciples on mission, the Pope said, he did not fill them with illusions about easy successes. Rather, he warned them that the proclamation of the kingdom of God always involves opposition. Because the world is marked by sin, Pope Francis continued, Christians are men and women who are constantly going against the tide. This is not because of a polemical or argumentative spirit, he explained, but because of the logic of the gospel, which is a logic of hope and which leads to a way of life marked out by the teachings of Christ. Christians, then, live their lives filled with love. As sheep among wolves, they must be prudent and even, at times, cunning, according to the Pope, but they must never resort to violence. To overcome evil, he said, one cannot share the methods of evil. Pope Francis noted that early Christians called this manner of following Jesus martyrdom, a word that means witness. Martyrs do not live for themselves. They do not fight to affirm their own ideals. They accept the duty to die solely on account of fidelity to the gospel. But even giving up one's life, he said, echoing St. Paul, is of no value without charity. Pope Francis said the strength of the martyrs, of whom there are more in our day than there were in the past, is a sign of the great hope that animated them, the certain hope that nothing and no one 
and separate them from the love of God given them in Christ Jesus. On to African news. A memorial service for Botswana former president Sir Ketumile Masire was held earlier today at the University of Botswana. The former president was honored for his contribution towards creating stability in the Sadek region. Amongst the participants was former Mozambican president Armando Gebuza, who said Masire was instrumental in forging peace and stability in his country when the country knew no peace. The 91-year-old former president of Botswana, Sir Ketumili Masire, died in hospital surrounded by his family last Thursday. He will be laid to rest tomorrow, Thursday, June the 29th. He was a great man. And uh, he did uh, give his contribution to the history, not only of Botswana, but of Southern Africa, uh, struggling to free our countries from apartheid and also uh, from colonialism and afterwards contributing to building the SADAC which is a very important organization for all of us. In the specific case of Mozambique also you get a lot of contribution as we had the problems of destabilization he was with us there uh, and uh, helping uh, to create the environment that made it possible to uh, achieve peace. So we are very grateful for him and we admire him and we consider him also a hero uh, of Mozambique. Following a new wave of violence engulfing the nation, bishops of the Central African Republic, CAR, have launched an appeal to all men and women of goodwill to staunch the violence that is spreading like wildfire. Noting that notwithstanding the Rome-based Catholic St. Egidio community accord signed between the government and armed groups on June 19, the CAR bishop decried the fact that clashes have not ceased and over 100 people have been killed in the past weeks. Violent clashes between Muslim and Christian armed groups in 2013 plunged the CAR into civil conflict. And despite successful elections last year, there has been a rise in attacks against civilians as well as UN peacekeepers in recent months. However, Father Innocent Mark Ali from the Central African Republic says the ongoing conflict is not necessarily between Muslim and Christians, but between small rebel groups. The relationship between the Muslims and the Christians here in Central African Republic is not as uh, major people normally present in also people. The relationship between Christian and Muslim here in Central African Republic is, uh, is based on the human relationship, family relationship. You know, you can imagine in the same family you can find Christians and Muslims as well. So in terms of violence, in terms of bad relationship, in terms of, uh, well, uh, misunderstanding uh, between Christians and, uh, and Muslims, we didn't imagine this kind of uh, bad thing before. It's just now that media people and other uh, uh, humanitarian uh, uh, officers or those who have been sent to, to work in Central African Republic Try to push, you know, to present to people on the world that you know the, the all the violence we are observing here in Central African Republic 
is based on bad relationship between uh, Christians and Muslims. So for now, the situation rise is not uh, such because the Muslims are our people. They are also from our own families. As far as we have uh, some other Christians who are converted in Islam religion. So that's the situation on the ground. The fight that is happening now in the Central African Republic is not, it's not a religious fight. It's not a religious violence. It's not based on religion. That's what I'm trying to put on them. A series of deadly suicide bombings in northeast Nigeria have been condemned by the UN Secretary General. Dean Penn reports from UN News. At least nine people reportedly were killed and 13 injured in the attacks, which took place on Sunday and Monday in Borno State. The UN chief expressed hope that those responsible will be swiftly brought to justice. He also underlined the UN support to the government of Nigeria in its fight against terrorism and violent extremism. The heads of the member churches of South Sudan's Council of Churches, SSCC, have empathized with the people of South Sudan who fled their homes to take refuge in Addis Ababa, Ethiopia, as a result of the ongoing conflict in that country. The heads of SSCC were in Addis Ababa for a meeting when they paid a visit to the refugee settlement hosting South Sudanese nationals. They also appreciated the enormous generosity of Ethiopia and its people in hosting the refugees. In a pastoral message issued June 23rd, the church leaders highlighted several means through which they have tried to encourage peace in the troubled nation. Since the armed conflict in South Sudan began in December 2013, the SSCC have been deeply concerned about the killings, rape, lootings and human rights abuses prevalent because of the conflict in that country. In other news, although young people are transforming their societies and driving solutions for inclusive and economic growth, millions still face the challenge of finding decent work. That's according to five UN agencies which have launched a campaign to boost youth employment. According to UN estimates, more than 70 million young people worldwide are jobless. And even though more than 150 million people are working, they live in poverty. DNPAN reports from UN News. The Global Initiative on Decent Jobs for Youth aims to scale up action on youth entrepreneurship and self-employment. It was launched on Tuesday, the first observance of Micro, Small and Medium-Sized Enterprises International Day. The campaign focuses on ways to address what the UN agencies see as obstacles that block young entrepreneurs. These include limited access to capital and insufficient support for skills development. Emphasis also will be placed on networks and peer-to-peer support, as well as access to information and technology. The campaign runs from June through August. And finally, back home, the South Gauteng High Court's ruling on the preservation of religion in public schools has been handed down. The court has ordered schools not to favor any one religion. The Charter for Religious Rights and Freedom says public schools have an obligation to review their policies around religion. The court said it's concerned by single-faith branding in schools and endorsing one religion to the exclusion of others. To get more clarity on the court's ruling, I spoke to Anne Becker, the deputy director at the Catholic Institute of Education. 
what it's saying is that according to Section 7 of the, of the South African Schools Act, which is entitled Freedom of Conscience and Religion at Public Schools, it says, subject to the Constitution and any applicable provincial law, religious observances may be conducted at a public school under rules issued by the governing body. If such observances are conducted on an equitable basis and attendance at them by learners and members of staff is free and voluntary. That's always existed in the South African Schools Act. And so what they're saying is that that must hold true. Um, and they're saying that if you promote or allow staff to promote uh, one specific religion, you're not adhering to that clause. Now, the there is no judgment around some of the clauses that also allow for religious um, identification, which which refer to some of the Catholic schools. So we need to get the judgment and see what else it says. But they haven't taken away the powers of the school governing body to decide on certain things. As we understand it, this always should have applied. You could never force anyone at a public school to go to something of a religious nature if their conscience tells them they shouldn't be there. It's a very vague um, statement. They, they refuse to indict the schools because the other big part of this um, court case was that they wanted to indict six schools here in Gauteng um, not to do certain things, and that, they, that, that was not uh, given. That was just thrown out. So it's to do with the constitutional right to be a conscientious objector or to give equitable times to different faiths. So let's say you had a school that had 15% Muslim children, 15% Hindu children, 15% not nothing, you know, children who don't believe, 15% Christian. Well, I'm not getting to 100 now, but you get what I'm trying to say. It means that the school, if, if those Hindu or Muslim children want, or parents want equal time, and it's around religious observances, okay, it's not around stuff in the classroom, except um, they were also looking to stop schools teaching that evolution isn't true. Some Christians don't believe in evolution. So that was the other part of the case. And I don't know if he says anything about that anywhere. Uh, but for Catholic schools, none of those would have been a big problem. Uh, largely, most of our schools are largely Christian, but there's never been any imposed uh, practice on teachers or learners, except the teachers' duty of care means they have to look after the learners if they're going somewhere. And he hasn't dealt with that here, which is a huge other issue, you know, if, so if a teacher doesn't want to go, let's say, to the school mass, but she's supposed to look after grade 2R, then do we just leave those children without the care of the teacher? So we've got some questions around it, but it's certainly not banning. And I see a lot of headlines saying they're banning religion. There's no talk of that. There's no talk of that. And the religion and education policy which is the policy that um, sort of tells schools what they can do, actually has special recognition of what are called Section 14 schools, which are our Catholic public schools on private property.
So, so that you know, that's one we have to now get religion, um, get legal opinion on what's what. Well, then I guess we'll be talking more as uh, the story unfolds. And, and like you said, once we all have access to this court ruling and uh, get a clear understanding of what exactly stands and what exactly doesn't stand with regards to public schools. So thanks so much for your time. No, thank you. And I'm, you know, I'm sure we're going to have more clarity as the day goes on. And we certainly are interrogating it as best we can currently. <laughs> And that was a look at some of the stories that made headlines in the Catholic Church and in Africa today. Thank you once again for joining me this Wednesday evening. You are listening to Catholic View, a program produced and presented by Sheila Pirsch for Radio Veritas. Coming up next is our feature program, and today we take a look at the role of the Catholic Church with regards to the upcoming general elections in Kenya. Kenyan general elections are scheduled to be held on 8th August 2017. Voters will elect the president and his deputy, members of parliament, as well as devolved government members. Kenyan Catholic bishops have on several occasions appealed to the country's political leaders and aspirants to conduct themselves peacefully and to ensure that whatever they do is in the interest of Kenyans and promotes peace and unity. Mr. Anthony Mbandi is in charge of Caritas Justice and Peace in Kenya. He has been speaking to me about the role of the Catholic Church with regards to the upcoming general elections. In terms of political tension, uh, it's quite tense. In terms of uh, uh, trying to make sure that people do not go to get to a point whereby um, they, they are physically uh, contesting with each other, physically fighting. Uh, at the moment, uh, we have two uh, major parties fighting it out. We have the opposition party and we have the ruling party which has been there for the last, say, four and a half years now. And uh, what has been happening in the last, uh, let's say, two and a half years or so, the opposition party has been building a case for saying the ruling party is not doing uh, what it was supposed to do, and also creating what we call a scenario for contesting all the issues that uh, the, 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 the ruling party has been uh, trying to put across. On the other hand, we have the ruling party, which is very bent on machinery, that uh, we do have uh, elections in uh, August this uh, year. So now the church has been trying to balance the two because you see the opposition is arguing that we uh, don't care about the elections as long as we feel they're not free. When these other guys are saying that the constitution is paramount and elections are to take place. So that antagonism is what the Catholic Church has been trying to tell them. Let's find a compromise. What would you determine as credible elections? And you, what would you, would you determine to change some of these constitutional deadlocks that would allow for the people to believe their perception of elections were correct? So this is the scenario we have. Now let's talk about the Catholic Church. How involved or how vocal is the Catholic Church concerning politics in Kenya? 
the technical touch is very much involved uh, from the national level all the way down to the local level, I mean, at the parish level. And the Catholic Church has only one clear message, that we have to have credible and peaceful elections. And the Catholic Church is also insisting that people have to look at um, leaders, not parties, because in Kenya, our party system is not a principal system. We are we have to look at leaders, individual leaders, and ask yourself, will these people be a people servant, or are you electing uh, a thief? Uh, are you electing somebody who is a warmonger? Are you electing somebody who is going to bring despondent to the community? So the Catholic Church is asking people to study the leaders, study the issues that they are presenting, and then ask themselves, in clear concept, is this the right thing to do? Now, the bishops have also been quite vocal about tribalism. What is happening with regards to that in the country? The bishops have uh, clearly written out a pastoral letter indicating that people should look beyond this and listen to the issues that the, the politicians are presenting. Obviously, this is an uphill task. Uh, Kenya, where we are right now, there is still a lot of ethnicity uh, being the, the, the basis of political processes rather than issues. Uh, the current government, the current president, is trying to work very hard to try and present issues. But even when you look at the ground, some of the political leaders are losing uh, traction even when they discuss issues. The more people are more interested to discuss uh, rhetoric, attend the political rhetoric. So uh, there is a lot of work being undertaken by the bishops in terms of trying to present at the national level and also at the level they're trying to work on civic education, trying to educate the people on the virtue of voting for the right leaders and why we need to listen to the issues and not so much uh, being terribly uh, aligned. Over the years in different African countries, we have heard bishops condemning priests from talking about politics uh, during homilies and so forth whenever a country is approaching elections. Is that the case in Kenya? Are priests not allowed to talk at all about politics in church? How far is the church involved when it comes to guiding the people, encouraging people to go out and actually register and vote? And the fact of encouraging people to register and vote, the church has been very much involved. And that's why I say, like, since uh, uh, um, uh, the the campaign, the message has been, make sure you study your leaders, do your civic duty and vote. Make sure you are peaceful. You do not have to fight people for you to have have elected leaders. Um, In terms of uh, influencing in one direction or the other, the church has been very categorical that we do not want politics inside the church. We are afraid of this. Ours is to be with spiritual perspectives. So what they have, uh, uh, the bishops have instructed is that even in church, they do not allow any more politicians to come and make speeches during this election period. They are also saying that they will not allow people to come to church wearing particular uh, party, party regalia. For example, on Sunday, you're not expected to go to church wearing the t-shirts of a particular party. So this is something that the church has been very clear that we are not going to allow the politics to come into the church, but we give people freedom to make their expressive opinions out there as long as they are not uh, infringing the mutual rights.
What role does the Justice and Peace Department play uh, when it comes to elections, for example? How involved are you? Okay. Uh, the Justice and Peace Commission uh, is given a very clear mandate by the Bishops' Conference to be able to bring uh, issues around governance, uh, electioneering, uh, human rights perspectives, and all that. And uh, this time around, especially around the, during the elections period, the Justice and Peace Commission normally has a lengthened campaign message, and this year's message is credible and peaceful elections. That is the message that they actually gave out this year during the lengthened campaign. And we uh, also engaged not just the Catholic Church, they also engaged with other civil society and other, uh, other church organizations uh, to try and build consensus on what Kenyans believe should be credible and peaceful elections. And this is where the church is now also trying to influence others to maintain peace in the society. Um, and also to study, to study the questions of governance. When you have, uh, for example, a member of parliament who is representing a constituency, the church is asking the constituents to ask themselves, who is this person? Are they able to deliver for us? What are the issues we are facing as people? so that we do not get this rhetoric of support me because I belong to a particular party. But the question is, is that person the right leader? Do they have the credentials that you're looking for in a leader? So that is what the, 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 the Justice and Peace Commission is looking at. Questions on governance, questions on human rights, questions on um, accountability, transparency and accountability. Uh, and accountability. So we, we are feeding international councils of Catholic bishops, and the bishops are then feeding to the wider uh, justice and peace, uh, and peace, the civil society, as well as the uh, other church organizations. So in these particular elections, um, there's a very strong push for peaceful elections because we see uh, one side of the divide is pushing for. Um, I mean, when you hear somebody stand on a podium and say that it is do or die, then that's the wrong message you're sending to society. You're telling them that you do not get this, you die. And that's not correct. There is life after the elections. And this is what the church is trying to portray, that you, you, you need to keep the peace and remind people that elections is not a matter of life and death. It means there is going to be life after elections. And you have to study the leaders who are telling you to do and die, or do or die, and think about it very hard because of your children. So this is the thing that there's a lot of uh, engagement the church is involved in at particular moments. And as I mentioned, even the issues of the water register, they are involved in trying to make sure it is well done. The issues of um, uh, the, the election, the, the, what you call it, the independent election borders uh, uh, commission, the church has been going to make sure that you build a consensus around that. Um, so there are a lot of issues. Even the, when, when, the last one that they were involved in, uh, they got engaged in was to discuss the issue of availability of ladies. Because there are people who are trying to use ladies as a campaign tool. And when you go that route, you start creating a scenario that people are getting uh, animosity being created. So the church is trying to ensure we maintain peaceful and also the elections are actually credible. And my thanks goes there to Mr. Anthony Mbandi from Caritas, Justice and Peace in Kenya, talking to us about the upcoming general elections. <laughs>
Well, then that brings me up to time. This has been your Wednesday's edition of Catholic View. Should you wish to get in touch with me, feel free to send me an email, Shayla at radioveritas.co.za. Thank you so much for listening. I'll be back again tomorrow evening at the same time. Until then, God bless you and ciao, ciao. I'm Shayla Pirsch.